Go Loud presents Around the World in 80 Gays with Catherine Lynch and Brian Kennedy. You two mad jokes. <laughs> when you say a tie like that, you know there was a question on Larry Gogan's Just a Minute quiz. Yeah. And he said, could you name a town in Kildare that sounds like a part of the body? And the woman said, Kilcock. And Larry Gogan said, I have a tie written down here, but I'll give you that answer. Oh, there you go. that is just class. Only Larry Gogan would be able to cope with that, of course. Around the world. Around the world. In Icons, anthems coming out Pronouns, drag queens, struggles, life and love Around the world Around the world In 80 gays In 80 gays Around the world Around the world In 80 gays In 80 gays Welcome to Around the World in 80 Gays, a podcast hosted by me, Catherine Lynch. And me, Brian Kennedy. Now, each week we talk about gay culture, gay inspirations and, of course, gay icons. And Brian name drops every celebrity he's ever met. <laughs> sure. What else would I be doing? OK, everybody. This Fasten is... your seatbelts around the world in, in 80, 80 Gays. gays. Our guest this week was born in one of the most glamorous places on earth. Nice, Monte Carlo, Tala, no, where? Close enough, a thigh. Well, it does have a Lidl and an Aldi, for goodness sake. See, I told you, ladies and gentlemen and non-binary friends, please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, the Hughes around the world in 80 gays. Good morning, you two mad jokes. <laughs> When you say a tie like that, you know there was a question on Larry Gogan's Just a Minute quiz. Yeah. And he said, could you name a town in Kildare that sounds like a part of the body? And the woman said, Kilcock. And Larry Gogan said, I have a tie written down here, but I'll give you that answer. Oh, there you go. that is just class. Only Larry Gogan would be able to cope with that, of course. How fantastic. Every time I go down on the train to Leitrim, I take a picture of Kilcock for my mother and she dies laughing. It's an ongoing joke in our house as well. <laughs> Bill, when I think of a thigh, I, of course I think of, picture this, I think of Jack Lukeman, but I always think of you. Ah. I really do, because of course, there you are, a wee country boy. What year are, was your kind of, you know, your kind of early days when you first thought, oh, hang on, that's the charts, that's music, that's, you know, when were your hormones kicking in, in other words? What I year was think that? the first time I heard Baby Love the Supremes. <gasps> baby Love. Yeah, I think the first time love. I heard that and I knew Jesus and I had a swing in my hip and I thought well my brothers who play football don't have that swing so I might be slightly different uh-huh. and it don't mean a thing Thank unless you. you got that swing well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and one of 13 kids I'm one of 13 kids yeah and uh, old school very old school but um, I was always fascinated by you see, in our kitchen, it was a big old kitchen in the middle of the town. This is before we moved. Is this out the to kitchen the I've been in, Bill? No, you were in the one in the country, the posh one. Uh-huh. That my, my my parents built this terrific house years later yeah. when uh, when most of us had fled the nest. But in the old, we ha- we had a shop, a drapery shop, dress shop on the main street, and behind the shop was where we lived, and over the shop, and at the back was this long kitchen. And over the fridge 
was God Almighty, the television. And there it was. <laughs> and it Trembling. Went, yeah. <laughs> and I got to see Danny Kaye and Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand. And, and every time one of them came on the telly, I went, yeah. Yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. And <laughs> yeah. people would say to me, so what are you going to be when you grow up, you know, expecting fireman or something like mm. that? And I said, no, I'm going to work in there. In where? In the telly. In what the do telly. you mean in the telly? I don't know, but I'm going to work in there. Now, meanwhile, I was in Leitrim and uh, people put me up in the bar in the pub and said, what do you want to be when you grow up, Catherine? And I used to say, I want to be in the IRA. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> So you weren't you were expecting that answer, were you? Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. nobody ever asked me what I wanted to be. No, no, because of course, in the Falls Road, they told they told you who you were. Mm. You're, you know, you're a filthy Catholic, and you're, you know, you think you're Irish, but you actually you're British, and all of those kind of things. So, yeah, isn't it funny how different we all we all are experience this kind of thing we call identity <laughs> in Ireland? Mm. It's extraordinary. And Bill, tell me, I'm dying to know. You're, do you have a coming out story or as we call it these days our letting in story letting people into your life I do yeah um, when I was it was the summer of 1972 oh and it was the start of summer 1972 and I would have been 16 going on 17 and I know up. you're able to tell us exactly who was in the charts what was the big record <laughs> that week because I know you I was too I was too neurotic at the time because I was so worked up about I had a big secret to tell. Yeah. And my parents used to buy the Sunday papers every week, but they would buy the English trash papers like the News of the World mm -hmm. and the uh, the people, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And in there, you found all these lurid stories of people who were termed homosexual. Yeah. And I used to go into the front room with the papers and read them and weep because I knew I was one of the awful people that was being described yeah. in it. And I thought, I'm going to have to tell my parents that I'm one of them. You're a and sinner as such a Yeah, don't. I'm going to have to tell them. And my mother was um, quite charismatic in the church, loved the church, you know, loved licking the feet off the saints. <laughs> and I just decided... Getting the slap of Padre Pio. All of that. <laughs> All of that, and not in a good way. Um, but I, I, I just figured, no, I better, I better tell them. And uh, so it was kitchen, late, Saturday night. The family card game had happened. People had gone to bed. And I was the last one in the kitchen mm -hmm. with my mum and dad. And I just said, I don't think you'll be having a wedding out of me and my mother's what are you trying to say and I said well I'm more attracted to fellas than I am to girls Aww. and my mother started to cry yeah and my father are you sure, <laughs> said, <laughs> sure? and I said I'm absolutely sure <laughs> and my father said in my travels I met Lots of lads like that. And the one thing that they all had in common was they were lonely. Yeah. And I hope you never come and tell me that you're lonely. Oh, I'm what an amazing shiver. response though, that from it. a man in that time, in the yeah. early 70s. And at that, your yeah. dad was able to access that kind of tenderness yeah. towards you. Yeah. 
That's extraordinary. Um, that is so gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely. So wow. what was his name? Joe. Here's to Joe. Just yeah, for Joe. a second. Good Funnily man, enough, Joe. my Joe. parents were Joe and Mary. Joseph and Mary. Oh, oh look who turned up. And there's, yeah. always, there's always room at the end yeah. for Jesus you. Jesus turned up in the end. <laughs> mm. And little Bill, what really struck me about that was that actually you ended up getting married. You did have a marriage. I, oh, yeah. Life. Thank God. In with 2017. Gary. Yeah. yeah. To the gorgeous Gary. Hello, Gary. Gorge- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been with Gary 25 years this year. Oh this God. year. That's what was your first together. dance, actually? That might give us a hint of what your answer uh, is. What did we... Oh. Um, Gary, he's going uh, to be killed. Now. No, we... we, <laughs> we Love is in the air. Oh, John Paul Jones or John, yeah. John Paul Jones? What was his name? Everywhere I look around. That one. <laughs> so, in and, a different and where key. in Ireland or in, in a fabulous warm country? Oh somewhere? no, no, no! We did it here. We just did it really quietly yeah. here. We just had a lunch for twenty people, and then we had drinks the following night for a group of friends. Yeah. and and. Uh, we had uh, the marvellous Dizzy dying for it, the drag queen. <laughs> she spun the discs. and Who kept us all happy in isolation. Yeah. I saw you every week in isolation, coming in isolation, online. I was yeah. on it. Isolation disco with Dizzy. Oh, I'd always see Gary and, and uh, Bill arriving on and yeah. it made me feel together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, were, we, we loved that. And so, yeah, Dizzy... Dizzy did that for us. But um, yeah, getting getting married was something that we had never assumed. And like from the day that we went to register for marriage, um, once you go into the process and we went to the office and did all the stuff and we were sitting out in a very dull, nasty, grey corridor. And the next thing, this big friendly face opened the door and came Who's next for joy? <laughs> and that was it. And he invited us in and we sat down and he started to go through. Now, if you want to do this and if you want to do that. And by the way, um, if you want to have music, you can have music. And if you want to have readings and if you want. And then he said, these are the vows. And we were just sitting there. And as I started to read the vows, I started to cry. Of course. Because I oh. thought the vows that were written were so perfect. I didn't mm-hmm. need to mess with them. I didn't need to do a Will and Grace adaptation. I yeah. didn't need to do any of that because the vows as written, spoken by everybody, are so beautiful that that was me. That Don, was you. Don and Gary. it's part of the Constitution. It's yeah. part of Irish law. Absolutely. So, you know, we're not mucking around. I have to tell you a very funny story. I, I was been very lucky to work with Bill over the years, of course. And so as a wee treat, we decided to go and see Barbara Streisand, mm. of oh, course, fab. out in Kildare. Do you remember? <laughs> now, I have to tell you, there I was sitting with Bill. There was a couple of fabulous Italian queens beside us, you might remember. <laughs> Barbara walks out before she opens her mouth. Bill burst into tears. <laughs> she hadn't started singing yet, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And there you were already. Yeah. This should be, we'll have to rename it Around the World in Fabulous Gays. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. But it just struck me because there you were as a wee boy looking at her on the TV yeah. in your kitchen, thinking, yeah. how do I get in there? Yeah. Suddenly there we are in person yeah. in Kildare actually watching her. And I have to say, it was one of the best concerts I've ever been at in my entire life because we got glimpses of her majesty, you know, her, her voice wasn't what it was, but my God, when it clicked oh, well, in. music lovers yeah. like you two. It was. Now, Brian, I'm going to tell a tale on you. Go on. Go you on. cried when Ga- Kate Bush came on stage. I, di- I did. <laughs> and I did. rightly so. I did. And everybody should. Yeah. Everybody the should. The woman is a genius. The minute she started that, the B-side of Hounds of Love, a little light shining, yeah. I couldn't 
hold yeah. back the tears. It was just extraordinary. And I so. cried when Stevie Nicks came on stage. Did you? Yeah, I bawled because I love her so yeah. much. And I think it is, isn't it? It's your hero. And yeah. when, you, when you see them... It unlocks something in you because yeah, certainly for me, I'd been young, a wee boy, really, mm. 18 years old in London. That was my first CD I ever bought. Mm. And Bill, I have a wonderful memory of us being in New York that time. We, and we did a, a wonderful concert together that he filmed for me up in Belfast. And then we got... What you, was the name of that? Oh, I just like Brian Kennedy live in oh, Belfast. Okay. And you managed to get it on PBS, of course. So then Bill decides, OK, we're in New York. I'm with Brian. I was kind of a fledgling gay, really, at that point. Yeah. And Bill said to me, right, we're going to Tower Records and I'm going to t walk around the DVD section and I'm going to now insist which gay classic movies you need to buy right now. <laughs> and he literally walked me around and went, yeah, yeah, baby. So you're Jim, his uh -huh. gay auntie. I I'm and then, telling you. And then I dragged him to a piano bar. That's right. And made him get up and sing in front of my friends who were there in That's the gay right. piano bar that That's night. Right. Oh my god. So That's it was right. funny. And he did. I did, of course. Yeah. How did we? How did you first meet Bill? Do you remember that, Catherine? I met Bill plenty, plenty of times on the scene. I think yeah. it was. You came to my show. When shows. you were busty lycra. When I was busty lycra. <laughs> An adult entertainment movie star, the I'm, Duchess of Deliciousness, yeah. the girl who put the tit into titillating and the heart into heart on her. her. <laughs> and it was at Busty's G spot. I yeah. had a residency in a gay bar. This is why I, I qualify for this job. Oh, listen, nobody's I'm questioning an, how you qualify. I'm an honorary you. gay. You are an honorary gay. Yes, she is, exactly. In a funny sort of way. <laughs> Bill, I can't help notice that when I look at your production credits and the, and the mm -hmm. extraordinary work that you've done, we'll talk about the, the most recent incredible Vincent Hanley documentary. Mm -hmm. But I see a little bit of a theme running through your work. And that I think that happens to be Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde is there very strongly. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Wilde is there because I'm always fascinated by the genius in the writing. Mm. The genius in the writing of his prose, his letters, his novels and his plays. Yeah. It's yeah. not just, um, it's just what a sad life though. That's mm. the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he dedicated so much of his life to pleasure and uh to entertainment and to making things great for himself mm. yeah. that I think if he had just shifted focus a couple of times and made it about other people that yeah. he'd have been a much better person but he only made it about himself and I think that was his ultimate downfall yeah but I and mean but every single one of his um his quotes are like, they're like life coaching quotes. Yeah. You know, so it is about, a, we all take them on like every. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I back in 2004, um, I got Frank McGuinness to pick 150 of. Um, we bumped into Frank Oscars. yesterday in the street. We just oh, isn't he great? Him, yeah. I mean, he's fabulous. But we, we, we got, I got, got him to uh, pick 150 of Oscar's greatest kind of one liners yeah. or quotes. Yeah. And as a playwright, he uh, would have loved Yeah, and that, that was to mark Oscar's 150th birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so we then, uh, I spoke to Gavin Friday about it and he spoke to Bono about it and Bono said, well, I'm in. I'll do one of those lines of Oscar Wilde. And Bono said, do you know what would be really good if you took this to Amnesty International as an Amnesty International project and got them involved, mm. which I did. And that straight away opened the floodgates to so many artists. And I also took it to PBS, to the BBC and to RTE yep. and SBS Australia. Yeah. And the next thing, we were off filming people doing lines and and the invitation was come and do a line 
of Oscar Wilde wow. with Bono, Martin Sheen and Liam Neeson because they were the first three to confirm That's they right. were in and then that was the letter that people got to come and, and do a line and it ended up uh, being nominated as the best arts programme in the world at the, the Golden Rose in Montreux and uh, yeah it did very very well I remember oh, it wow. very clearly I was lucky to be part of it myself mm. but um, tell us about that fabulous comedienne one of your favourites who do you remember she said oh if Oscar was still alive Joan Joan Rivers <laughs> Joan Rivers Joan Rivers was part of it as well really? it was, oh, Joan was great and Joan uh, when I was, I was I was filming in London in PBS New York in PBS uh, Los Angeles and then out in RTE in Donnybrook Dublin 4 and Joan was one on the board of the PBS station in New York. And so when she was approached, absolutely, she came on board. But she showed up with her dresser and her own makeup artist. And she showed up first thing in the morning and she <laughs> stayed for the whole morning. And in between people doing lines, she said, I've got another one for <laughs> you. I've got another one for you. Whoa. And she'd go back in in front of the camera and she'd do another. Uh, she just loved uh, him. She loved him yeah. and she loved it, the project, because we did the project to draw attention to all the countries in the world where it was illegal to be gay. Oh, that's so fascinating. And that's why that's we amazing. do. That's why we did it. And that's why everybody came on board. Like, why are you doing this, darling? So Harvey Firestein and Rosie Perez and like everybody was like, why, why are you doing this? Annie Lennox, you know, what, why are you doing that? And as soon as you told them that, they were in, they were in. And, and listen, where came. can people listen to this now or sorry, see this now? You can see it up on YouTube. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just so. happy birthday, Oscar Wilde. Yeah. Oh, and great. it's there and it's just people performing one lines and two lines and three lines and all sorts of people uh, right across the board. Rock musicians and artists and composers. And even sports Phil, people. Even Philip Glass That's is, right. is in it. That's right. you know. And was there any divas? Was of course. There? Oh, wow. Of Give course. us a hint. Come on. <laughs> there, there was a diva in Dublin who shall remain nameless and she said, well, I'll do it, but I'll only do it if I can do the handbag line. Oh. And I said, well, I think we know who that is, And Catherine. I said, I'm terribly sorry. I said, but the handbag line has already been done. Who did it? I said, Stephanie Beecham did it in London. And she went, well, what line have I got? And I gave her the line and she did it, but she was furious. She didn't get the handbag line. (laughs) At least she's consistent in her diva. (laughs) No, I don't think you know who this is. I actually don't. I don't think you'd guess. Okay, we'll talk off air. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Bill, you've talked about music, but what is your anthem? My anthem is... It goes back to the 50s and it's one of the first songs I became aware of as a child that the lyric really resonated mm-hmm. in my heart and it was Doris Day singing Secret Love. Because <gasps> yes. once I had a secret love that lived inside the heart of me. Oh, that is so beautiful. Did you ever see the documentary of the same name? Oh, yeah. The, the, the two <laughs> yeah. Old, gorgeous old, older lesbian ladies yeah. who were a secret love all their lives. It's on and Netflix. It's, it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's fabulous. It's beautiful. What a brilliant choice of song. Really. That's my song. That's an incredible um, Because every single word of that lyric means something. Yeah. It, it resonates. Yes. And uh, I think for for every gay person, but for everybody who's holding a secret. Yeah. Everybody who isn't being their true self. It's actually my favourite song too. And uh, the whole 
musical is my favourite musical. Mm-hmm. I love Doris Day. She was so binary, wasn't she, in her own yeah. way? Yeah. And it was the first time we saw a woman not having to be yeah. pretty all the time, having a feistiness about her. Yeah. And, and looking amazing and in looking, pants. Yeah. <laughs> in <laughs> pants. Yeah. As Calamity Jane. There she was. There she was. That was exactly. my nickname when I was a kid. My dad called me Calamity. I bet you that yeah. was for other reasons. I'd say that was for other reasons, Catherine. Here Lynch. comes Calamity, he used yeah. to say when I came home from school. They'll so. tell me um, the best piece of advice you've ever received. Can you think of anything? The best piece of advice came a bit too late. Oh. Um, but once it came, I grabbed it. Right. And it came in my late 30s. And it was somebody who said to me, you know, you don't have to be the funniest person in the room. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't have to be the wisest person in the room. Sometimes you just have to be the quietest person in the room. And that's power, isn't it? And it came too late. Do you know it? it, it, Because at that stage, I had either burned bridges or upset a lot of people. (laughs) Yes. I was an obnoxious mouth in my day. Oh, Bill. I I was. I I have never heard anyone say anything other than nice things about you. And just accept it, please. Because, you know, I'm old now. Yeah. You know, draw close. My sight grows dim. But it's the the business also, entertainment business and television, it's a tough, tough uh, journey to take. It's a wonderful like you have fantastic uh, triumphs but there's a lot of failure involved in being in television yeah. as well there's a lot of thrown crap at the ro- wall and, and it could have gone in so many different yeah. directions yeah. like I might not even have gone into telly I might have gone into a full time acting career Yeah. like and when I was have. at drama school in Birmingham doing my real coming out with when I found my real tribe um, the, I was doing one of the exams uh, at Lambda the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art and I was performing in the silver medal exam doing my monologue and Mavis Hoffman was the examiner and she said at the end of it darling I'm giving you honours but I want you to stop whatever you're doing here in Birmingham and I want you to move lock, stock and barrel to Nottingham to come and work at the Nottingham Playhouse I want you to peel potatoes and make coffee and do everything for the actors but I want you to learn and I want you to come into theatre and would you do that for me and I was so kind of stunned that I said yes of course absolutely absolutely and I went home and I said I will me arse. I'm not <laughs> yeah, doing that. Yeah. I have I, I have I have other things. I don't want to be a penniless actor. No. I don't want to I want to work in the telly and I want to do what I do. But so. do you think that um those experiences made you a great producer because you understand the actor and well, the I, talent? I, I don't see myself as a great producer. I have I have had luck. I have had Lady Luck shine on me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look at that. Well, you're a great idealist then. Yeah. Maybe you're not a great producer. I was going to say, I, yeah. I'm not sure yeah. about the luck part, Bill. I mean, you know, yeah. I think you're underselling yourself just a little bit there <laughs> yeah. now having worked with you. Um, can Tell us, have you got anything you can share about what's coming up in your a busy business life? Uh, well, I'm I'm very pleased that we've just been awarded the money to make a series by the BAI for Virgin. Oh, yes. And it is a four-part series with Rebecca Talon de Havilland. Wow. And it is uh, Second Chances. Basically, Rebecca takes her boot camp idea and does it for people who are really in need of help. So people who are coming out of drug addiction, coming out of direct provision, coming out of a refugee, yeah. coming out of an abusive relationship, uh, whatever. 
that she's going to give them a second chance at, and, at life and help them transition and help them transition really to are. the new to the new normal. Yeah. That sounds and fantastic. So we're going to be doing that. I, yeah. I, I said to this to you earlier. I, that sounds groundbreaking to mm. me. I don't mm. think I've ever heard of a show like that no. before. No, we're very excited. Trust you, Bill Hughes, to come up with yet another groundbreaker. What is he like? <laughs> God's well, sake. absolutely. Um, is is being a gay activist a very important part of your work? Absolutely, and it has been for years. Like back in 1994, uh, a friend of mine, Finton Brennan was dying of AIDS and he approached me and said, would you record an interview with me? Because I want my niece and nephew who are only 10 when I'm gone Hmm. and you know I'm going soon. I want them to be able to see what a funny man I was. And so we did the interview and then out of that, he charged his four sisters and his parents and his father, who was a state solicitor, to speak to me after he was dead and to tell me truthfully what they thought of him. And so we did and we made a documentary called Finton in 1994. Mm-hmm. So that was and this is only the year after decriminalization. So yeah. it was it was quite close to the bone. But um, to then do uh, The Love That Dare Not Speak Its Name in 1997, 98. That and that was broadcast then in 2000. And that was a history of gay lives in Ireland. So and then doing the Oscar Wilde in 2004. I mean, I've always been driven to remind people. And some people say to you, why do you need to tell people that you're gay? And you need to tell people because the casual heteronormative uh, reality of you. Yeah. You're standing in front of me and you're saying, well, I'm going home, taking the kids to this, and taking the kids to that. That's all heteronormative and that's not something that I can relate to. Mm-hmm. So I have to remind you that I'm different. And the only way I can remind you I'm different is to say, uh, I, but in the gay world or yeah. what gay people do. Is it? And, and you see some people flinch because they actually don't want to hear it. And also, they, nobody gets killed because they're straight. No. You know, in the street. Nobody yeah. gets punched to the ground. Or thrown Because they're walking building. too hetero. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I loved about the Vincent Hanley mm. documentary, because you did not pull any punches. Like, no. you told it how it was. And I know some people out there thought it was too far. I personally didn't. Mm. I never knew the man. I knew very little about him. But what I did feel after that documentary was that I felt like I'd met him yeah. after it. You know. Well, the great thing about... Uh, working on that film it was very personal to me yeah. Vincent was very much I a part no of my life I had no idea that you held his hand in the last oh, yeah. moment of that poor man's yeah. life and he he was such a huge part of my life um, because he asked me to 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 join him in Green Apple and um, because of that uh, Vincent I hold very dear in my heart mm. and then when we got the chance to make the film about what it was that that was our relationship and how he died and how people with AIDS were treated. Um, I brought in a director. I knew I couldn't direct myself mm. in that. And so I brought in the great Aoife Kelleher yeah. to direct me and Brenda Morrissey to edit and Bernadine, my business partner, yeah. to, pro- to produce and, and Jennifer Healy to produce me. And I just surrounded myself. That's four very strong women to tell a very personal story. And so the story had to be as real as it could be. Yes. And it did ruffle a few feathers. I'm delighted but, it did. Yeah, but listen, I, I don't care. It's the truth. The and truth sometimes the, the tr- And the truth hurts. Mm-hmm. And some people aren't able for the truth. And also some people didn't know the truth. 
they didn't know the full truth. Exactly. And so when they Bill, when they did got you that, did you lose many friends oh, to yeah. HIV? I'm sure you did because yeah. it was just that time when there yeah. was no help, and that the, must have been helpless. It yeah. must have been a helpless oh, yeah. time for people. And you were everybody was scared. Yeah. Nobody knew what it was. Mm. All you knew was that your friends were getting incredibly sick. Your beautiful friends, gorgeous young men, were suddenly turning into elderly men right in front of your eyes, and then they were dead. Yeah. And it was one after the other after the other. And you're you're there with them and you're looking at them thinking, Oh my God, you've got it too. Because they developed that look where they became incredibly gaunt and mm. then they became frail. And these were people who were always referred to as gym bunnies. You know, they were living yeah. in the gym and yeah. throwing and the, the weights in the most air gorgeous doing ones the whole thing. And the and the yeah. Sexually and active. Yeah. If they were, you know, they were the ones on the scene. Yeah. And they were probably co- more confident about being gay. And yeah, and they, they all the got it and died. Blazers. Yeah. It was ferocious, ferocious. ferocious. Yeah, I had a friend who passed away as well, taken out in a body bag from James's. Yeah. The projectile vomiting. Yeah. The, when he told me, um, he said, here's your cup now when you're coming to my house. Mm. Uh, he hadn't a clue. We hadn't a clue. We had to look through magazines to see mm. what we were allowed. Mm. Um, yeah. Like he was afraid he was going to give it to me, the poor man. I you know. know Frank yeah. was his name. Well, that was the ignorance yeah. of the time. Yeah. But you remember the ad time. was the coffin. Do you remember that? Yeah. And as we, we've said this before, they called it a gay cancer. Mm. That's mm. what it was referred to as. But I I just sometimes I cry when I think of the isolation those men must have felt and that the yeah. rest of us uh, heterosexual people all looking down our noses and not knowing. I, I mean, I was just privileged to know somebody and, and, and find out what the proper language was. But yeah. most people didn't know the language. Well, and they we, just... we were controlled by the media narrative at the time. Yeah. And the media narrative was state sanctioned, state controlled and a nod to the church. And it was also a narrative that suited the fact that being gay was an illegal activity. Yeah. It had not been decriminalised and so you're talking about the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. And that's why there was no sensitivity. That's why there was no commitment to Zero. getting it right. You know? Yeah. So. Well, here's to wow. all those people who passed away. It's just so sad. Actually, Kilcock. Hmm. My friend is buried in Kilcock so I take a picture of it <laughs> and I and I bless myself and think of him every time I'm going What past. a great way to end the show, <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> Let's end on Kilcock, shall we? <laughs> Around the world in 80 gays brought to you from Kilcock. <laughs> oh, I kill for a cock. <laughs> Bill Hughes, I have to ask you, given that you're a gay icon for a lot of people, now it's just simply the truth, who is your gay icon? Uh, I think uh, the most unsung hero of the entire gay community in Ireland is David Norris. Oh. And I think people don't fully understand what he did to ensure that we can be the gays that we are today. Yeah. Our freedoms are based on him taking a mortgage on his own house to go to court to fight for our rights. Oh. And he took a mortgage on his own home. He risked everything and he risked his career and he risked his character. And yeah. he was thanked by the way he was treated in his uh, presidential uh, presidential That's right, the campaign. campaign. It was That's horrific, right. wasn't it? Yeah. I just thought it was horrific how that man who was the backbone of equality in this country was yeah. treated. But luckily he has won most of the yeah. l- l- law cases he took, yes. the legal cases yes. he took. And 
he has been remunerated, but that's not the same as not being president. Well, no, your health yeah. suffers, doesn't it? His yeah. health suffered terribly. Yeah. Yeah. David Norris, we love you if you're listening. We hope you're listening. Every time I bump into him in the street, he goes, oh, I'm reminded of the time. That's how he starts <laughs> his you know, sentences. I just love to see him. David, we love you. We hope to see you at the Cobalt Cafe, maybe up the street yeah. from you soon. I love him. I love David Absolutely Norris. love him. That's too. a great icon, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. I think he's my icon too. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Bill Hughes, you've been a fabulous guest. Thank you for yeah. your company. Did you get enough out of me? 